Howdy gang, back country and barbells. Joe Shermanic, Jeremy Day, helping you guys train, hunt, and live your best life possible through um, conversations as, as we try to sort it out. So uh, hopefully along the way you can pick something up that's helpful. Um, I know that we are helping each other from time to time, uh, especially right now. Uh, it seems like as this uh, COVID-19 situation lingers, there's there's just... There's just a lot going on. Jeremy, I'll tell you what, man. Here's my question for you. And this is a question that me and me and my wife are on uh, agreement about all, many things with this COVID situation, but where we're not on agreement at times is like the intervention. And I honestly, my honest opinion right now is this. This is a virus that kills weak people. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I don't know that at this point the interventions aren't worse than the actual virus based on just the hard data that's coming. Like I know the numbers are what they are and people are getting sick and I know it's a novel virus. And, but at this point, as long as this has gone on and I just don't know that the backlash and that the intervention isn't worse than the virus. And I know that's hard to say. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I have a couple reasons for thinking that. But before I, you know, go on my own monologue about that, I mean, uh, where are you at on all this? Uh, no, I'd have to one hundred percent agree. I think it's, I, I think it's going to be more damaging than it is helpful. I mean, I, <clears throat> I think they're just freaking out more than anything, just because of the f- simple fact that they don't have a cure for it. So they're scared that it could get worse. But I mean. I think keeping people at home. What I read the other day that um, drug overdoses are up three point three percent, and mm. um, suicide is up one percent. Yeah, and what about those numbers? I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, so you can always, you know, there's in training and hunting and draw odds, you know, and and any project you pick up, there's paralysis by analysis, and you know, eventually, man, you just have to. <sighs> tighten up your bootstraps and get to work. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think maybe there's things to operate, but I mean, eventually you have to start slow rolling, getting life back to normal. And, um, you know, and there's, you know, not to also get weird, but you start to see like old school quotes from like the guys who founded this country about like, you know, people who would give up, um, you know, what's the, the, the Benjamin Franklin quote about folks who give up, um, Folks who give up ease for liberty deserve neither or, or some things like that. So I'm just like, you know, when do you fight back and start to just get on with it? So it's just a it's just a strange situation, man. And then I'll tell you another thing that's in the back of my mind with this. I, you know, this isn't a political podcast, but it, it feels like these things pick up at strange times. And I just wonder, I wonder if this isn't two years in the future or two years back if we wouldn't be having some of the interventions be as strong as they are, if that makes, you know, not, not to, not not to tip my political cap on this or put, make people choose size, but it just seems interesting as well in that regard. No, I agree. I think, I think half of it's driven politically. Yeah. Honestly, just because we're coming up on an election year, you know, one side really wants the other side out of office and the other side doesn't want the other side going into office. That's right. So they're, you know, it gets crazy dirty games and you look into history and all the dirty games that have been played in politics. It's just like they toy with us and me media is the key component to help toying with us. I mean, 
you look at the old administration when they were in and um, the things that they talked about then, and then now with this new administration in, it's like the complete opposite. So it, it's just, it's, it's really bizarre. And, and frustrating, I would put it, it at, is. because, you know, there's, and again, I'm just, I guess the big question is like, and, and I'd like to see more on this, like, you know, and, and I wonder if people could even have this chat civilly who disagree, you know, cause there's probably a side of the fence that, you know, the interventions that we've pretty much held to in Washington are probably of the big reason why we're doing so well, right. In that regard. But, you know, you know, are they worth it, you know, at this point? And, and at what point do you start walking back? I'm really interested, you know, as we record this podcast, it's, I mean, what's the date? We're late April. It's um day before my son's birthday. So we're April 25th. It'd be really interesting to see what's going to happen on May 4th. You know, we've, we've seen some states start to roll things back. I believe Georgia at the time of this recording is going to be going full go. Texas is opening state parks. You know, there there's some there's some thoughts that they're going to start to open some things up here in Washington. But I guess we have to kind of see what happens there um, and and move forward on it. But um, you know, it makes things super interesting for people trying to plan things. You know, vacations, um, business trips. You know, business in general. You know, everything's just kind of on hiatus right now. But it, you know, eventually we have to start opening things back up. Uh, yeah, or the economy is going to completely tank. I mean, we got a nice little stimulus check, and there's rumor that there's another one coming. But, I mean, eventually we have to pay all that debt off, right? Well, yeah, and how many times can we keep doing that? You bail this guy out, you bail that guy out, you know, and you, you print more money and you do this. So who knows? I mean, and again. Well, in the small business owner, you know, if he gets 1200 bucks to help him out, but his business is shut down. And then even though he can apply for loans, he still has to pay those loans back. I mean, a lot of those small business guys are going under. Think about all the guide services for fishing right now and the guide services for um, turkey hunting and bear hunting. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, you figure, I mean, I, I generally do a guided fishing trip every year since, since I've been in Washington, I'll, you know, I've done, one season I did two, you know, I do one and you figure that's, you know, um, for what I've done that the general go is about, you know, 400 bucks to get in the boat and, you know, you can get your buddies and maybe between the three, I did one where between the three of us, it was, you know, 200 bucks for that day to be on the water. And that's $600, right. For that guy, you figure, you know, I've done that every year and I'm probably not alone in that. You know, I'm not a huge fisherman, but I like to get out there and, you know, steelhead and it's fun. You know what I'm saying? But, um, with that whole industry being closed in Washington a whole year, you know, you figure that 400 bucks at 600 bucks that that fisherman gets every day of that fishing season probably feeds them. And, you know, that's a hard hit, you know, and, um, don't know, don't know how they recover from that. You know, I've been super fortunate where, you know, as a teacher, I'm still getting paid. I still have a job, but these guys who earn their, living week to week, weekend to weekend on things like that, that it's tough sled. I don't know how you come back from it. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. And those guys, especially in the guiding world, they make bacon certain blocks of the year. You yes. know, they only work, I say only, but they work three months out of the year 
24 hours a day basically yeah and then the rest of the nine months they you know kind of fill in and and do their own thing but those three months out of the year is where they make bacon for the whole year yeah so now you take out half of you know a month and a half their half of their salary out i mean they can't make up that from unemployment even though you can you know your max in washington i think is 715 bucks and then they give you another 600 on top of that if it's covid 19 related but you know when those guys every 10 days are bringing in six grand i mean that's two business weeks yeah so um and and you're not going to make that from unemployment yeah and then not and here's an here's another side of that you know a lot of those guides are it's the tip money that probably is the Christmas presents and the other stuff. And the, yeah. well, the tip money's to me in guiding, it seems the tip money's like overtime, right? That's like the stuff that, that, that's also important, but you know, could be their retirement money. Yeah. And even for me, you know, I grew up, my mom was, um, my mom made, made most of her hay, um, waitressing and it was the tip money that paid the bills. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, in that regard, you know, it's really tough. And I'll tell you another interesting side of this. Um, there's a strength coach who uh, I've interviewed a few times. I've read his books, and I have a, a small correspondence with him. And he's based out of Atlanta. A guy's name is uh, Brett Bartholomew. Check out his feed um, at Coach Brett B. Uh, he's pretty legit. And uh, his book, Conscious Coaching, is a is a big influence on how I go about things and kind of sort out buying and stuff. But he put out a really cool he put out a really cool question for debate. And what he had come across was our idea of supporting small business is not equitable in the sense that um, uh, they put out a survey that said, do you think you should support small businesses um, right now, small local businesses? And the overwhelming majority of it was, yeah, 100% we should. We need, to, we need to get on board with that. But then he also put out a post that said, um, do you think you should – do you think that it's right or wrong – that trainers and coaches are char- are trying to charge for training services during the COVID-19 situation. And the overwhelming um, response was, no, it's not right. So even in that, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Do you, do you see? Yeah. yeah. So those people are small businesses. So it's the same sort of thing. So even in that regard, like, you know, it, it, it's just really interesting. So maybe the, the situation right now is each of us need to just kind of think back and, and maybe stay away from the knee-jerk reaction and think that, you know, everybody's probably to some degree trying to find their way to do the best that they can, right? So I don't know, man. Um, it's, just a, it's just a wild situation that's gone on really long. And, you know, regardless of having a vaccine or a cure, I think we have to start walking back some of these interventions and, and letting people start to get back to life. Well, if, and if they don't, I mean, people are going to start freaking their shit. I mean, you already see it in some states where they're um, rioting and protesting because yeah. they want to, you know, there's only so long you can keep somebody trapped in a, in a, in their own little cage or world, especially in this era, you know, this era that we are now where it's so it's like instant gratification, instant yep. this and, 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 uh, and yeah, it's a. And are we trading one prison for another? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. and, st- and still, I would probably also say regard, you know, even go back to my initial opinion on this, is that this is a virus that kills weak people. Like, you know, you still have to take care of yourself, I think, regardless of what's happening, right? 
and and are we is this thing helping us do that better and will we be doing that better afterwards i think you know i'm hopefully i'm better at washing my hands hopefully people are eating better food hopefully people are taking care of themselves because that that seems to still be the case and again even to continue the debate a little bit more i was having the same conversation with some friends and i'm like still i the 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 deaths that we'll see from chronic disease like heart disease um, diabetes depression and those things are still going to dwarf the deaths that come from this situation and then the debate is always about well this one will overwhelm healthcare systems well if you do the math on things like diabetes and heart disease where you know one third of the population is thought to have something like that you know in a in an also way our healthcare systems not set up to support that 100 million people you know with diabetes and heart attacks you know you do the math on that it's trillions and trillions of dollars in hospital beds and things that also mess the system up so you know i think we just do a weird thing of picking and choosing the ones that we're doing and eventually when you have interventions like this i think that go on too long uh you're going to rile people up the wrong way yeah <laughs> you know what well, i mean and we're getting close to that yeah, and, and the crazy thing about the healthcare and overloading the hospitals, it's not happening. They're, the hospitals are actually starting to lay people off. Yeah. Because they can't bring in anybody else except for COVID 19 um, cases. And there's not that many cases, at least in Washington state. I mean, you look at New York and a few other of these states. Yeah. Yes, but now they're talking about having to lay off a lot of doctors and nurses and stuff like that because. There's nothing for them to do. Well, I think they shut down that hospital they had set up in Seattle. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they did. It was specifically for this. And um, I don't know, man. You know, it's just, it's just a, it's just a, we have to get on with it and, and get it going. And, and, and we'll see. This isn't a, this is, these are interesting times we're in. And, you know, you got, you got a trainer, you know, you got a trainer and a hunter kind of working out how we feel about it. But it's probably, I don't think it's a time to go the steps of your uh your local your local town hall and, and start you know wildly protesting but I, I do think it's time to start poking the folks who who run your local government and you know are we getting on with this or what you know so because uh, eventually we have to you know what i mean and it, folks need you know the other route is we completely change the way we do business in this country and i don't know how how that even looks right you know so right. <laughs> you know are we just going to go to like you know bartering and whatnot but it's it's just wild it's just wild but um so but i'm hoping i'm hoping honestly you know to get on to things that we're more averse to talk about um first off i hope everyone listening is is managing these conversations and you have someone around you that you can actually have them civilly with and get it off your chest because i do think that's a big part of helping it but Hopefully you have some things that you can look forward to and also um, that where you can use your time wisely. Um, I know we're caught in a weird spot, Jeremy, where we're hoping to get a turkey hunt in right here in Washington. And it looks like at this point that turkey hunt, if it does happen on May 4th where they lay things back, uh, how much more time will we have in turkey season in Washington? Uh, we have until um, May 31st, so we okay, still cool. have a month and some change. I mean, our, our scheduled date is um, 15th through the 20th-ish. Okay. 
of May. So I think we're looking good, dude. Yeah, and, and it, it doesn't look good to go to Oregon, which we wanted to do. But honestly, it looks like to me when I'm following social feeds, because Oregon's been allowing hunters. I mean, I've been watching the Born and Raised guys are putting out some cool uh, turkey hunting clips, and folks all over the country are getting after it. And honestly, it probably speaks well that when it does finally open up in Washington, um, if we find the right spot, those animals haven't been feeling much pressure. It might be, uh, might be a pretty good go. Yeah, and I think um, the particular area that we're going to go to, I think if we backpack in, stay off the main road system, I think we're going to be good. Yeah, and you know that, that's probably advice, good advice for most hunting, right? Um, <laughs> um, well, you no, know, not necessarily because okay. what the turkey you shot last year was a hundred yards from camp. You're right. You are right. You are right. Which sir. is off the main road. <laughs> you are right. You are right about that. Um, no, yeah, so. Uh, no, it should be super. It should be super interesting. It should make for good hunting, um, you know, uh, and a good good local hunting, which is fun. You know what I mean? Uh, as I'm getting kids and a wife and tinkering in this hunting space, it, you know, it seems like the best hunting spots are the closest ones, right? And especially if they can be productive and, and hopefully, do do you what? Let me ask you this question about the the status or the. Um, this is going to be a weird spot for everyone to be in, I guess, hunting wise, and to speculate on this is just an interesting question. the The animals, right? You know, they, they space these seasons out when the animals are going to be breeding and, and most active, right? And the the idea is, the idea is to let the males breed, and then you know, then take the males out of the mix, right? Um, do the fact that no hunters are going to be in the woods and these animals are out uh, breeding unchecked, uh, is that going to make them easier to lure in or more comfortable, in your opinion? Or is, is the hunting going to be better or worse? Because I, I guess my question is, are they going to have done what they needed to do and then not be as active? Have we missed the window? Or will we have missed the window? No, uh, no, I don't think so. I think, and it's a good question. I think, um, so these birds... <clears throat> and we're going to talk turkey right now just for the sake because we're going into turkey hunting. But being that they haven't been pressured by hunters, they're breeding a lot more, right? And they're a lot more aggressive. So in the pecking order, the tom, the bigger toms get most of the breeding rights. So, And he's less likely to get shot. So the smaller toms are going to be super duper active later on because they're – they're used to kind of breeding this time of the year because the other toms, there's a lot of pressure and they get pushed around and stuff. So I think a non-pressured animal is going to be a lot easier to shoot. I um, We might not get the big tom, but we're going to get a tom. Okay. So you and, and I think the next three to four years are going to be really interesting because I think with them able to breed more, that there's going to be a lot more chicks, or I don't know what they call baby turkeys, I forget. But um, there'll be a lot more birds in the future. And same thing with the bears. It could be um, similar. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to get out in the fall when we eventually do get out to see what the what the effects are of one. That predator season got pretty much, looks like it's going to get cut. Um, whatever. I mean, it, you know, there's always ways to gauge short and long-term effects. It'll be interesting to just get out there and, and see how this is all impacted, right? Um, so, so that'll be interesting. The other thing to to kind of speculate on is like what what's going to happen in the fall. Again, I 
we had it on our radar to potentially go down to Oregon um, for elk hunting as well as um, Washington. Um, I was just chomping at the bit to check out Oregon. You see so much cool stuff, and we were working plans for that out. You know, as as we speculate on what's going to happen boundary-wise, you know, we know that Washington, Oregon, and California governors have gotten together and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play same team here and work that out." The, speculating in the fall as we kind of work on draw odds and and kind of make plans it's hard to determine you know do you think that Oregon hunt or crossing borders between those western states is going to be an option here coming in the in in fall seasons because application deadlines are you know it was a pat pat was pat who we've interviewed and you all should check that out he was asking if we were going to come down to kansas and you know i was like i it's hard to make plans right now you know what i mean but with deadlines looming and weird situations happening, you know, crossing state borders, you know, uh, what, what do you think the potential on that's going to be here in the fall for elk? Well, I think we're going to be in a good position because I think this is all going to get subsided and forgotten by then. I mean, there's still going to be a little bit of in the lingering, but once the media gives up on it because nobody's, I mean, their, their ratings start shooting down. Hmm. I think this is just going to get lost and forgotten. Just like the swine disease and all that. It's like, yeah, all of a sudden, one day, you don't know anything about it. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Well, it was two weeks ago. We were just, you know, we're told we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, we do have short <laughs> memories. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. And uh, that's why politicians do what they do, because they know we're going to forget, and then they can be... Yeah. Change that to flop every now and then. So, so, for the be- so for the better... Your 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 thought is um, it'll just kind of get swept over the rug and we'll we'll be back to normal by August. I think so. I think that you know there's a lot of speculation that this is going to drag out until September, but because of a second wave or whatever. But I really don't think so because then we're coming up in November, which is election, and um, I don't think either party wants this to drag out to the to that date mm. i mean one party might but the other party does not so and the party in control does not so they're going to be you know they're going to put a they're trying to put a nip at it right now so that we could be back up and running and the economy starts to get back going strong prior to election mm. we'll see well I'm, i think i think the i think the next deadline here from from our standpoint washington or in washington will be may 4th um, yeah. i haven't seen much you know, I haven't seen much movement on it yet, but I can't imagine they're not going to start walking back. So I think that'll kind of tip their hand a little bit to how quickly they want to do this. Cause I definitely think they want people for recreational sake, for people's mind sake, you know, for, for cash flow sake. I can't imagine out here, out West. I mean, we're talking about places like Cannon Beach. We're talking about places all up and down the coast the whole western and and across the country i'm sure they want summer dollars being spent somehow right so it's just a matter of how how quickly and how aggressively they're going to walk back walk back these things so people can get out and recreate and you know and hunting and fishing is a big part of that yeah absolutely i mean especially in the coast range yeah you know those three months are when all those guys make their bacon yeah is those summer months so i mean and they're in a unique situation because they're not really in the COVID-19 time frame right now. Yeah. Or the peak of it, right? They're going to be at the tail end of it. So if they try to drag it out, those people might not be eligible for, you know, 
um, what is it, assistance? Yeah, who knows? So it, it'll be interesting. So what do you think about? Yeah. I mean, as we go into like draw strategies, uh, do you think it? Do you think it's worthwhile to put in right now? I mean, when's the when's the we're gonna we're gonna put in local we're gonna put in local stuff here, Washington. That's gonna happen, and you know, that's one thing. But do you think it's worth um, putting in for for an out of state elk tag? Yeah, absolutely. Because if anything, you get a preference point. So yeah, you can, um, and if you're on the fence, you still just apply, get a preference point, and then if you draw, then you're okay. Or you won't draw because you have a preference point. But right now, I think yeah, we we draw and oh, my computer fell over. We draw <laughs> and <laughs> we put in for the draw and see what happens. Because I mean, we could get a great tag and be able to go over there, and 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 I think we're going to. Yeah, so, it's worth the gamble, right? But yeah. Like it is every year. Yeah, for for Oregon, in my opinion, because they're on, you know, you get to keep your points. Cool. And then they apply for the next year. And it's not, I mean, you're not out of it too much money, and I already am going to be bird hunting over there anyway for um, upland games. So I got to buy the hunting license anyway. So it's worth the other 14, 16 bucks to get the other three tags that are over there. Yeah, which actually brings up another thing. Like maybe... I hate to say this, maybe these, you know, I won't even say it. I'll keep that to myself in terms of the cost of this because it's a pretty cool thing to do for not much money. So um, we won't, yeah, we won't put that yeah. out there anymore. Don't raise the prices on that, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't, don't, you know. So now that's interesting. But no, it's cool. Uh, looking forward to it. You know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the next update on all this situation. Um, gets into it in the meantime when we were talking about it the best thing you can do in the meantime is probably then just you know put in for your applications business as usual worst case they carry over but you know hopefully folks are still using this time to kind of train up i was kind of cruising cruising some cruising some uh cruising some feeds and there's been some really interesting archery accidents have been posted um folks who are like trying to uh shoot archery in their house have you seen any of these jeremy no, I haven't. Oh my god, I, I haven't been too active on the social media. I've been pretty swamped lately. Yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, I've been putting some downtime towards it um, and seen some funny things. Uh, so be careful out there as you guys are training at home, whether you're training with fitness gear or whether you're training, uh, you're training your, uh, you're training your, uh, your darts there. Um, whether it's what's ba- the craziest thing you've seen so far? Oh my gosh, um, two two in particular that are funny in terms of archery is uh, this guy had an archery set up in his house, and he had his target, and he had a pass through on his target, and then all of a sudden he heard his car alarm going off. He had shot through his house and shot his and shot somebody's car. <laughs> oh, it wasn't even his car. I don't know. I, it was just oh. it was a quick video that that was a funny one, and then another one is. The guy was in his living room, and he had done a setup where he was shooting from his living room out to his yard, and he had shot through his glass sliding door. <laughs> I guess I guess on his way back in, someone had closed the door or whatnot. So there's interesting stuff out there. And then from a, a training standpoint, the big funny thing to check out is, um, you know, people who are trying to do like different setups with with bands and snuff it's always fun to watch bands get snapped back in people's faces and and whatnot so there's a lot of that going around so there's some yeah there's some mindless stuff to watch out for but you know to one thing it's funny to see but it's also um it's good to know that people are out there trying to train right 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you just got to be, you just got to be smart about it. Um, and, and on that note, how, how's your training been? I know the last time that we had talked, uh, you were feeling, you were feeling pretty snappy, pretty happy. Yeah. You know, it's funny you asked that Joe, cause after the comment and then the next day I wake up and I'm like super achy. And for like the last <laughs> week I've been really, really achy and I'm thinking, Gosh, damn, did I, am I overdoing it? Am I overtraining? And, and yep. when was the last time I did any kind of recovery attempt or should I do some recovery? So I'm like, I've got all these questions for you. Oh, about, okay. Shoot. Yeah, because Fired I mean, up. so for the last three months I've been training hard. I lost what, 10, 12 pounds. Um, but then I got to looking at my exercise regimen and what really sparked it originally is like a, it's like grueling to have to do my workout. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do upper body and I don't want to do legs. Yeah. I mean, jumping on the cycle, I did that two, three times a week. And then, um, working around the yard, you know, it's been doing a little more, it's a little more invasive on my body too. So, but when I do my upper body, I do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 different exercises. Okay. For all, just for my upper body. What now? Let me ask you this: What's the um? You know, you got you got that giant exercise list. That's different exercises. What are like? What are the sets and reps per exercise as well? So generally speaking. So generally speaking, I do three sets, and then the reps vary from fifteen to twenty-five. Mm. Okay. So I'm gonna run this list through you real quick because that way the viewers or the listeners can get kind of an idea and then you'll also get an idea but so push-ups i do 25 of those then i go to the pull-up bar and then i do um eight of those and then i do a, a the tricep bicep thing so i i do my bicep lift it up over my head and do the tricep and then i go into military press and then i go into bench press on the fl flat bench press with dumbbells and then i do reverse flies Bent over rows with a dumbbell, single-sided. And then I go to dips, bicep curls with a bar, 75 pounds, 15 of those. Um, I'll do another shoulder exercise. And then I go the bent over um, rows with the bar. I do 20 of those. And then I go to incline bench. And then I also do, well, and then I didn't include these in my list, but then I do my abs where I reach to my toes, toes to the sky, bicycles, and leg raises. So cool. That all takes me 22, 25 minutes to do all those exercises, and I take no rest, and I do three sets. So you're, it's 25 minutes total, or you, there are the three sets? Hour and a half. Okay, so you're getting after pretty hard. So what you're, I'm looking at your list. You have a, you're, you're kind of, you have a mix of like pushes and pulls, and, um, you know, what, what I think is interesting, you're just, you you have like a real high volume. Um, you're just getting a lot of reps in like, and if, and I think you'd be amazed to see actually how much work you're doing. Like if you do the math per set, you know, if you multiply, um, the reps by the load, you'll see that your total volume is probably really big. I think a misconception, uh, misconception here on, on what the, the general impact of that and to train that much, that long, it, it can, can really um, be overwhelming and, and, and to just have an understanding of what training can do to your body in general, that's all stress. And if you, yeah. if you pair that stress with the stretch of the stress of the current situation, also stress of work, 
And then the interesting things, is things that we do that we think are downtime that actually also stress the body in the same way. Um, the 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 training volume and the stress you're putting your body under is just um, is just kind of crazy, right? That's just a lot. Um, and I think the big thing just oh, to, it's a way lot. Yeah, and I, I just think that I think that the, the the big thing that I always like to do when I pick up clients or work with clients or or do programs is I always I like to start simply and build up to that. So. I would probably, my thing for you would be to trim your workouts and to understand that right now, um, more isn't always better. And just cause you can do it doesn't mean that you should do it. I think, I think right now you're at a place where you're getting diminishing returns on your efforts, right? I, yeah. And I feel yeah. like, I mean, my body yeah. is super, like my joints are all achy yeah. and I'm, and I'm doing the roller every night. I'm yeah. doing the lacrosse ball every night. I'm doing all these other yeah. Extra, and, and I stretch like crazy. I stretch for ten minutes yep. afterwards. And all that's all that stress, in particular, if you're not doing certain things to make them not stressful. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But you're just you're just at a place where it's diminishing returns, and you're doing what a lot of folks do, where you're you're applying like Western work ethic to training and thinking that more is always better. Right. Right. If I make more sales, I'll get more money, and it's going to be awesome. If I do more reps, I'm going to get stronger and I'm going to be better. That's not always, yeah. that's not always the case. And that, so I, I would, I would, the first thing I might think about too, in terms of if training for longevity and performance also means, you know, training smartly and, and honestly getting to a place where you're doing as little as possible to make gains. Cause where you're at now, I'd imagine that 90 minute push pull workout. Could you repeat the same effort and do the same thing the day after you did it the day before? No, that's why I only do it once a week. Okay, so that's one way to train. The other way to train is maybe you just do a little bit, but then you can do duplicate that effort the next day. So like the vo- so let's say let's just take one of these movements you're doing. Let's just say pull-ups because this is one that especially if like you have like uh if you hit the right spot, you could maybe you do like 50 pull-ups. And you do those pull-ups over the course of a couple minutes and then you're feeling good. But then the next day your biceps are just shredded. Right. Um, and I've been in the spot where, and, and folks who get into CrossFit, you know, they learn the kipping pull up, they're getting a lot of pull ups and pull ups end up becoming when you get them, this new fun toy that when you overdo it, you all of a sudden find out that you can't make your arms straight again. Right. So then what ends up happening there is you've yeah. done so many pull ups, then the next day you can't do any pull ups. Uh, so then all of a sudden your one workout where you've done 50 pull-ups has now not allowed you to do any pull-ups the rest of the week. But if we go back to like something I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, maybe a few podcasts ago, how I was doing pull-ups every day, but I was doing three every time I went under my kid's, um, my kid's um, gate at school. That ended up being 12 pull-ups a day just in that station. Well, what's 12 times 7? Yeah. It's more than 50. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Well, whatever it is, it's more than 50, (laughs) right? (laughs) Where's my calculator? (laughs) It's like, it's like, it's 80, I think 84 as as, as I'm doing my math in my head. Um, But you know what I'm saying? So what, just because you can do more doesn't mean you should because that effort might blast you for the next session just from a, a structural and muscular standpoint where you're so sore you can't get back on and now you need three to five days to recover. You know, but and 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 one of the guys who kind of promotes this 
sorts of training I'm getting after is a gentleman named Pavel Tatsuli. He's the guy who kind of brought kettlebells into the country, and I have a few of his books. One book's called Power to the People. He's got another cool book called Simple and Sinister, and he's got really cool training protocols where it's like, hey, man, if you can do 50 pull-ups, and let's say we'll just use 50 as the gauge. Let's say if you timed yourself in a 10-minute workout— and in that 10 minutes, your 100% max effort is 50 pull-ups. Well, doing that max effort is going to diminish you so much that now you might not be able to train for three to five days. That's a problem. But let's say you can do that 50, and instead you only do 20. But you can do 20 every day. That's going to get you. To, that's going to keep performance up. It's going to allow you to 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 work muscle patterns and 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 good habits within the pull-up that are sustainable. And then you do that for a long time, like two weeks, a month, whatever. But then you're like, okay, well, maybe now I'll do 22 pull-ups. And then you slowly increase volume that way. So so in, what I'm trying to get at is like your idea has to be what's the what's the least amount of work I can do to make some sort of progress and gain strength, not what's the most I can do in this single session that's going to diminish me for later sessions. So that's the first place I like to always start the recovery workout. And it's generally a cell I have to make. I have to, you know, I have a great buddy that I do personal training for. He's He runs a really cool physical therapy practice out in Atlanta. And a lot of my remote client base that I get comes out of him, you know, and, and anywhere from, I'm I'm always personal training anywhere from 12 to to, to 20 folks and different what different with different things and the cool part about training these athletes that come from a uh, um, uh, a um, physical therapist is they're they're hurt right and where I end up picking their training base up is they don't want to screw it up again and get hurt again so it's really cool to start them with a really simple program maybe three days of lifting and I break the lifting up into a press day a pool day and a leg day upper body press, upper body pull, lower body leg, and then I'll generally get a fourth day on there that's going to be cardio-based where I like to get them running. So that also doubles up as a leg day. So they get two leg days, but you rotate through those efforts really simply and slowly where they're getting full days of rest in between, and then they can always go back to things, and, and, and we build slowly from there. That's really the cool That's really the cool gift of injury in that regard where you start slow and, and work it back up. But the general sell to most people is you can't apply hard-nosed work ethic to training all the time. Sure, there's no pain, no gain, but also lots of pain doesn't lead to any gains because you can't get back in the damn gym. Right. Yeah, so so that that's where I would first start. I mean, you could I, – I would take all those days – like if you look at all your movements, um, I would I would probably start with all those movements and – um, I'm kind of, I kind of really loosely did the math on what you did. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, the 13 exercise, the 12 exercises that I picked up on, I would take all the ones that are push exercises, like the push up, the tricep extension, uh, the shoulder work you were talking about, anything that kind of looks like a push up where you're pressing, I would put those on the same day. And then I would take all the other workouts the other movements, like the the pool workouts you talked about, the pull ups, the rows, uh, the the swings that you talked about doing with the kettlebell, I would put those on another day. Okay. And then that's two workouts, and then you have a then you have a leg day where you kind of go 
and, and do some lower body leg stuff. And you could even divide up two leg days where one leg day is like a squat day where you're really getting quad heavy. And another leg day is a posterior chain day where you're doing like deadlift variations where you're kind of attacking the hamstring. So that's another way to split your stuff up. But Here, I'll, I'll tell you what my leg day looks like. I'm excited. Is it is it 16 exercises? Uh, 22. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it, this one's it's a two, yep. four, six, seven. So I do squats, mm-hmm. and I'll do 25 of those with um, 80 pound sandbag on my shoulder. Yep. Nice. Um, calf raises. Where um, lately I've been just sitting down because of my plantar fasciitis issue yep. that I had had yeah i got rid of it um then i'll just i'll put um 50 pounds on my knee and then do 60 calf raises 20 in each location straight out and in 20 each and then i go to deadlifts with the 70 pound bar Hmm. Um, i do 20 of those and then lunges i do 15 each leg with 60 pounds and then i'll do hip raises 20 of those with the Thirty pounds on my hip. So, so I'll I'll kind of stop you there, just to because we're going down the same path as the um the the press. <laughs> no, and it's really cool. So, what I would also I think you're doing the right stuff, but I would I would divide what you're doing up into four days, and I would have a I would have a push day and a pull day, and we've already covered that. And then I would have a I would have again with the legs. You have a you have a you have a squat day and a posterior chain day. So, where you're talking about. I would not do deads and squats on the same day. I would squat and lunge and do my calf raises on um, one day, and then I would do the deadlift, the hip raises, and anything else like a kettlebell swing or an RDL or a stiff leg deadlift that might be more kind of hamstring-based on. Okay, so I have leg, yep. dumbbell, hamstring where I lay on the on the ground, and then I put a dumbbell in between my feet and then awesome. um, lift those. And then sumo deadlifts yep. with a 30-pound dumbbell. Yeah. So, so I would do those on the same day. I wouldn't do them on the squat day. So you saw, see how okay, you're kind of – yeah. That's on the okay. That's it, what I want to make sure on the sumo deadlift day that it wasn't on a squat day. Yeah, you're kind of splitting it up where you're attacking your posterior chain one day and you're attacking your legs the other day. And then look, if you're really smart, what you'll do is you'll do your press workout, then you'll do your squat workout, then you'll do your deadlift workout, and then you'll do your pulling workout. You know what I mean? And then you're kind of you're given you're given the regions of your body time to simmer and let rest and recovery happen, but you're still getting your training in. This is where you develop interesting training splits. And you can do training splits on one way to do training splits is on the region, like we're attacking. You know, and then what I like to do with like a weightlifting athlete, I do that on movement specific or skill based days where, you know, as I coach weightlifting from a standpoint, I, I like to coach it from a skill based approach where you try to get low. Um, you need to support stuff overhead and you need to squat. So those are my, you know, those are, those are different ways to even break up the split. So you can split routines in any number of ways, but for you in particular, and for most people, just by by splitting regions. And then the other thing is, it seems like you're, you're, you're training the same engine all the time. Everything seems to be for high reps. Uh, Yeah. And and yeah, for the most part, yeah. And that's okay. But what what's happening there is you're always attacking the same energy system, and by attacking the same energy system, you're always depleting that same energy system, and it never gets chance to recover. So you can also address recovery by structuring your workout in a way where you're doing different things. 
I always like to break down my move. You know, I'm going to do a nice little warm up where I have a good sweat going and I'm, I'm opening up my body to the range of motion that's desired for the day. But I always am going to try to build strength first in a workout where I'm going to be doing lower rep sets, you know, and for most people, five is the magic number. You know, five is a place where you can get strength and power, especially for a novice athlete who hasn't done uh, certain things before. You know, it's just a, it's just fives are a magic number in the training realm. So my top movement after I'm warmed up is going to be strength based where I'm going to find a way to just train five heavy reps or some subset of five where I'm working to a heavy single or a three or something like that. But you want that high end, you want that high end contraction. Um, and you can get that there. So, I mean, where you're talking and, and this is a place now where we're, where we think in this COVID situation, it's hard to do, you know, you can't get, um, you can't, maybe people don't have access to the weights that I might have. You know, I could, I could load a barbell pretty freaking heavy, right? And I can get... Yeah, I don't I, have that option. Yeah, so one of the ways to get that option is you can work for tempo. I mean, how heavy is that sandbag you have? Um, it's 80 pounds. Okay, awesome. So imagine getting that on your shoulder and instead, instead of doing... Um, Instead of doing 25 squats, what you end up doing is you... you and I love the awkward loaded squat. You know, if that's, yeah. re- that's really going to mimic what we want in the woods. So if you, even if you don't have an awesome training sandbag that's 80 pounds like Jeremy does, if you're listening to this hunting podcast and you don't have a hunting pack that you can put 80 pounds of crap in, then you're probably in the wrong podcast, right? Like, I mean, so, so get it together, yeah. right? So load your pack up and you can do awkward squats with that. And, but rather than sitting there and killing yourself to do 25, uh, in a row, why not just do five sets of five? And what you can work on is a tempo-based squat where maybe you're going to go down for 10, you pause for 10, and then try and explode up. And doing five sets of five like that trains your body for a maximal contraction. You also get some really cool stuff happening. And um, working for tempo, that's actually something I talked about on the last Fitness Friday where even if you're stuck with body weight, you can do things with like tempo, um reps, time, and do positionally based stuff to really get an interesting training stimulus. But but when you work for tempo, you know, you get that 10 second eccentric phase where you're lowering under tension and then you're paused for a moment and you're getting a nice isometric contraction in the bottom and then you're exploding up and getting a good concentric force. That training stimulus there hits a bunch of different muscle systems. You're not getting a high volume. You know, it's just really fun. And then you can focus on working harder and smarter, not just doing a lot of reps. Um, right. That, and, and doing something like that at the top is nice. And then you can work backwards for a few other movements where after you do like the heavy squats and, you know, maybe you do get interesting ways to load it to make it heavier and you're still just doing five sets of five. You know, that's cool. And then after that, then you can maybe go into – um, sets and reps for lunges that might be a slightly different rep scheme where you're going eight to 12 reps. And then maybe you end the workout with high volume, 30 rep calf raises. So that's a, that's a general thing that you could do with all four of those workout splits we talked about. You could, you could load a heavy bench press. And again, if you don't have a barbell to do bench press on, why can't you load your pack awkwardly with big weight, throw it on your back and start doing loaded push-ups that way? And you could, again, 10 second down on the push-up, 
lie in the bottom for a second, then try and explode up. And, and rather than doing sets of 25, you start your workout by doing heavy sets of five and then back that off with different pressing things and smaller muscle groups where you're, you're working it back that way. Then the, 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 where that's going to promote recovery is you're not blasting your whole body every day. You're, you're doing something for small reps to train for bigger muscle contractions, and then you can slowly isolate different things. And, and, and that's just a happier way to train where you're letting your body get some recovery in between the efforts. Um, and, and that's really the juice where you get progress because, you know, we break our body down through the training, but it's the rest and recovery in between sessions that allows for growth and, and, and adaptation to take place. Yeah, that's probably what I need to do because I haven't even gone through what I do on Monday. That's Wednesday and Friday. <laughs> yeah, so so that's what I'm saying. You're you're you're, you're I would, you, and you're you're doing something that's common amongst a lot of people. You're just doing too much, and and just because you can do more doesn't mean you should. Just because you know, and 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 more work isn't always the best. You know, I, I really like at the end of a training week to want to feel like I if if I can look back on a training week and say, oh man, I progressed that lift. I able I was able to get that running time in and um oh guess what I feel pretty good so I made progress on my lifts and I feel good and I'm chomping at the bit to do more that's how I want to feel at the end of a training week I don't want to feel like dang I got to do that shit again and, and that's where I'm at and, and I don't like, even oh, feel good shit, yeah, it's leg day that's a problem so yeah, look split your routines up you know and and trust the way your body feels I think you know, we can be beholden to sets and reps and percentages and volume and think that because I'm not hitting percentages or because my apps tells me I'm not getting this in or because, we, you know, we, we lose sense for what we really need to feel like. You should trust the way your body feels. And this is what they talk a lot about this, a great training reference in a book I think that probably is, uh, to me, it's going to be a timeless training manual. It's, it's a book called Unplugged. Um, it, it's written by Brian McKenzie, Andy Galpin, and a gentleman named Phil White. And it's just, a, it's just, it's an awesome book. And I use it, I use a lot of the principles in my health class, but the general sense of the book is we need to use modern training devices around us to, to get simple measures. And we need to get back in tune with what our body's telling us to, to kind of dictate training and, and chase performance. And I, I think that's where you're at a little bit. You're just, you're just trying to do too much too often and I think backing it off a little bit and trusting and finding some simple measures to, to get a sense for what progress is for you and what your body feels good is, is what you need to get back to doing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And like I said, I, I bring it up because I was just waking up way too achy. And then, and then let me ask you this. So I'm blasted. Yep. I'm burnout. So do I take two weeks off? Do I take a week off? Do I mean, if I get to that point, what do I do now? Because like to me, I'm thinking, well, shit, I need to take two weeks off because, yeah. I mean, I, I am just like physically waking up achy okay. and something that I'm not used to. Well, that goes back to what's your training goal at the moment, you know, and then I'm not, a, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to turn everyone into a big, um, a big wimp about training. Like, yeah, you should feel good and yeah, you should push yourself, but there's moments in your training cycle where you should push through to make an adaptation and then your body will compensate on the back end and you will get better. But you just have to be able to dip in and out of, you have to be able to dip in and out of these things uh, for longevity and keep training. So I would say that taking two weeks off training is never good. But okay. I would also say that just pounding your body for two to three weeks straight is also not good. So again, if you, we, 
we dissected where you're making issues on a micro level from session to session. You know, you're doing you're doing too much volume, you're doing too many exercises, and you're trying and you're just getting too much in per workout. Well, if you were to take and break your sessions down like I had asked you to, and maybe go a press day, upper body press, upper body pull, lower body push, lower body pull, and there's your four workouts. But even from week to week, what you'd want to end up doing is, um, it's my standpoint that you, your body, and, and there's really old school training methods to think about where maybe week one in a month, you should be at 75%. Week two, maybe your lifts um, in a general sense should maybe be pushing your body to like a 95%. And then maybe the third week, you should go back to training what were your maxes like a month ago. And then that fourth week in a training cycle, you should try to do something new. And that would be trying to push intensity. So if we were to, let's talk about, let's, and that might be hard to conceptualize verbally. So we'll we'll break it down to a particular lift. Let's go back to the pull-up scenario. And let's just talk about it with pull-ups. You can do 50 pull-ups in 10 minutes. That's that's your max, right? So what's what's 75% of 50 pull-ups? If you Oh, is it 45? Uh, I don't know. Let me break the uh let me break out my iPhone. It's, no, it's it's 42, <laughs> I think. Yeah, so let's go um yeah, let's just set uh, 50 times 0.75. Yeah, you get 37. So, no, so, 37. so let's say that week you're going to do a 10-minute workout and you say, okay, I'm going to get 37 pull-ups in in 10 minutes. That's my workout for week one of my pull-up workout. Then week two, you take your 50 pull-ups, multiply it by 0.85. Oh, so week two, I'm going to try and get 42 pull-ups in 10 minutes. And those go really well. That happens. Then week three, you say, you know what? I'm going to match my pull-up test, and I'm going to get ten. I'm going to get fifty pull-ups in in ten minutes, and you do it. So you've you've worked at a hundred percent intensity, but you found that oh crap, I actually did it in nine minutes. So what did that tell you? That that that's that's an indicator that you've made progress. Now where a lot of people screw it up is, they'll take that extra minute now, and they'll try and do as many pull-ups as they can with that extra minute, and they might work so hard that now they can't work out next week. That's a problem. What I my suggestion would be is you simmer down. You've already made progress. The only thing that's going to get, you know, everything only gets worse there. But what you can do now in week four, you do the 10-minute workout test, and you do go all out. And let's say in that 10 minutes, you end up finding that you did 68 pull-ups. The cool part there is, maybe you've trained up for it and you are sore, but the cool part there is if you wait the fourth week to do the max effort for 100%, guess what happens now as the weeks cycle back to now you're back on week one? How many pull-ups are you going to do? You're going to do 75% of 68 pull-ups. Right. And that is, you know, 51. So now your training goal is you're backing off the intensity for two weeks and you're trying to ramp it up. So in like in a macro sense, if you looked at your training over a six week or a four week cycle, you should have you should have submaximal training days where you're trying to dial in motor patterns. You're trying to go through range of motion. 
And you should also have maximal effort days where you're really going to try and push and push through some things. So that's another thing. You know, you, you can't, you can't, every day is not game day. You know, some days are training days. You know, we, we, no, no one's going to train a boxer and say, okay, before your heavyweight fight for the championship, you should fight 10 times a different champion to get ready for that fight. You just won't, you won't be ready for the ring. You know, you, you slowly have to walk it back and go dipping in and out. So that would be another thing that, that I mean, that, that that's one way to address the, the training volume and the training intensity. So you can always train. So you're not training so hard where you have to then take that two weeks month off or worst case scenario is maybe you're, you're that guy who's always going to do 10 minutes as hard as you can. Eventually you're going to blow a bicep and a pec out and then you're out for, you know, three months. Yeah. And I think I did it. I, my bicep's been hurting for the yeah. last week. Yeah. So, so, so that that's another way to attack training where you're going in and out of intensities looking for progress. And, and if you notice what I did there, it's not always reps and load that are going to determine progress. You know, I, I put that little time domain. Hey, man, you, you matched your old max in less time. That's progress. So if you can very sneakily find different ways to assess your progress and take that win that day, that's a great way to go. Right. So, so there's all kinds of little training tricks you can do with that, but that that's ultimately what we do. And, you know, another way, you know, I'm, I'm the most guilty probably of always using weights and load and trying to push for weight. The, the, another way to work this out too, is to sneak different efforts in throughout the week that are going to promote recovery. I know when I'm training best and even lifting the best is when I'm also getting some aerobic work in that supports the, the anaerobic work that I'm doing. Like, you know, I, one thing that was really successful for me from a training block was implementing more cardio work. You know, I like weightlifting. I like sprinting. I like doing hard, heavy, and fast stuff. But um, when I got into trail running and started implementing 30-minute short running cardio-based workouts where I was doing, like, sets of one-by-one one by one sprints versus um, when I, when I was putting those in, I was noticing that I was recovering better between weightlifting sessions. So less weightlifting and more running was actually leading to higher intensity weightlifting sessions because I was more recovered in between. So, you know, when you, you know, when you dip, when you dip into the well too many times, eventually it's going to go dry. And sometimes that goes dry in terms of injury, lost performance, things like that. So, you know, varying up intensities, I, I really think most people who are training to look good naked and to stomp up the woods and to just have some cool movement capacities, you know, if you ran an interesting split where um, you had three days of lifting, you know, you push, you pull, you squat, and then two days of running where you're doing like 30-minute cardio sessions, you know, you're going to do pretty well with that. And there's different ways to manipulate the stimulus in terms of linear progressions, um, different percentage-based work and efforts where for most people, that's going to be enough to promote health, longevity, and a general sense of feeling good about yourself. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Or yeah, hard. Or hard. Just... Go ahead. No, or hard. Like my sessions, I, I if, if I'm training more than an hour, um, I'm not doing it right. You know, you know, we, we're all busy. You know what I'm saying? In that sense. So, um, you know, get in, get out because... I think what's also probably going on too, Jeremy, is and for most people, is the things that you think you're doing for downtime aren't downtime. You know, we're we're going on screens. You know, blue light, blue light's going to zap your brain and keep you active. You know, 
and it's not going to promote really great sleep patterns. You know what I mean? So, you know, are you reading books? Are you getting bored? Are you letting your mind shut down for real to promote recovery? You know, so, um, and, and most people just aren't. They're just working, 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 working. Reps, 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 reps. More sessions, more sessions, more sessions. And again, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I know, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Do you yeah. And, you know, we, 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 um, we, we, we work against what our body's trying to tell us, you know? And, and so, you know, if I were to tell you, hey, man, you know, you could make a hundred bucks in 10 minutes doing not much. Or you can make a hundred bucks in sixty minutes, you know, busting your ass. What are you gonna do? Right. You know, and it's the same thing with training. We just need to get that mentality into it. Let's be efficient with it. Let's be smart about it. Let's vary up vary up movements, vary up intensities, vary up load, you know, and let's get the hell out of there so we can feel good about ourselves. And I think that maybe the last trick I would suggest is and again, if you look back into the base camp base camp program that we went, the 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 segment that most people blow off is the last segment, which is the the cool down segment, um, where I always ask people to get into a, a healthy position in base camp. I you do it from quadruped, you do it from lying, and you do it from a seated position. But I'm just going to ask for three minutes where you just go through some box breathing techniques, where you breathe in through your nose for four seconds, hold for four. Breathe out for four, hold for four. Do that for three minutes in any position that's comfortable for you. And what you're actually doing there is you're simmering the body down and you're getting the body to say, oh, the workout's over. It's time to recover. The other mistake people make is they jam a training session into their lunch break or into whatever hour they can find during the day. They bust their ass. They train really, really hard. They get after it. And then... They grab a coffee, they get in their car, and they get right to work. You've never given your body the signal to shut down and to begin recovery, and you're still training. There's, there's, there's lots of research to show that lingering training effects can go on for many days. They can go on for many hours. You know, if you do a, if you do a max deadlift, like a true max deadlift where you've built up your big muscles, I think there was a gentleman who did like a thousand pound deadlift and he said for three weeks later, I didn't feel right. And that's real stuff. Like a real hundred percent max effort is going to linger for a long time, but so can the effects of a really hard 90 minute training session. And if you don't take the time, three minutes to breathe your way through it and tell the body that send those signals, Hey man, I'm cool now. I don't need to train anymore. You, 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 you're doing yourself a big disservice. You're going to probably diminish most of most of what you just worked really hard to get in your session. Yeah, I'm going to try pulling that back. And yeah. I, I was hoping to take another week off, but it looks like I got to jump back into no, it Monday. I wouldn't, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I wouldn't take the week off. I would I would dial your lifts back, and I would I would honestly, Jeremy, tell you to work at a 65% effort. Whatever that is for you, and this could be something for everybody, you know, find that 60%, you know, you know, can you get a sweat going? Can you do some stretching and can you get some movements in where you generally just go, oh, that feels pretty good and then walk away from it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And (laughs) do that for a week. And then the next week you're going to work up to a 75 to 80% effort. And then that third week you go, okay, you know what? Let me do what I did at my best three months ago and shut it down for three movements. And then the fourth week, maybe you're going to try and beat 
the old test from three months ago and then continue to work that cycle. I think that's a really healthy way to go about it. It's not too much. You get some general sense for, for progress. And then as those movements get stale or you're approaching numbers where, you know, the tests result into some interesting things that don't feel so great, you, you either switch the movements up, you build more skill or you find a different measure. You know what I mean? That, that, and that's where that's where a coach comes in and some things like that. I'm working with a guy right now. Um, you know, he's a he's a pretty he's a SWAT guy. Um, and, you know, he had this where he's like, oh, I was always trying to train with these kids and I couldn't keep up with them. Well, yeah, you want to keep up with a bunch of 20 year olds in your workout. But that 20 year old also doesn't have three kids and a wife and all kinds of other managerial crap to deal with. You know what I mean? So you don't need to be hanging with that kid. You have to find your own measures for success and build your volume that way. You know, and, and maybe your measure isn't that you can keep up with a 20-year-old kid in training. Maybe your measure is you can actually run down the bad guys. You know what I mean? And do your job. Right. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah. so you can't lose sight of what you're actually training for. You know what I mean? And and this is where I really actually like uh, the ideas that like Cameron Haynes puts out there in sense like, in one sense, I don't like it because people look at him and they think they have to run a marathon every day. No, he's built that up over a long time. But where he is right is you should train hard so you can hunt easy. And in that sense, there's certain things you can do with movements. For example, you're probably not going to do it. You're you're probably not going to ever pack out a 300-pound pack. But if you can if you can have a 300-pound back squat for um, easy sets of five, that's probably enough to support good hunting. So you, in that one movement, five sets of five, have have provided a stimulus that will make hunting easier because it's slightly heavier. Now, every movement shouldn't be that, but then maybe you can go to, after you've done those heavy box or heavy squats, maybe you can do some box jump variations where maybe you're going to do reps and sets in a certain way that's going to be a little bit harder than you might experience in a hunting situation. And if you can add up all those incremental things that make hunting, make training a little harder than hunting, it's probably all going to add up to you're going to be a better hunter. But if you, if you reach for the prize and say, Cam Haynes runs a marathon every day, I'm going to do that. And you do that too quick. uh, You're going to run yourself ragged and you're going to miss the season. Yeah. So there's all sense. there's there's all kinds of tinker ways to do it, and this is, you know, the, you live and learn, you sort it out, you talk to coaches, you have these conversations, and you know, y- you trust your body a little bit, and hopefully it works out. Yeah, I'm listening to my body. It threw the old middle finger at me, <laughs> and it happens. It happens to everybody. But that. Yeah. But but you know what? Too, I'll also say this: if you're not walking that line, you're also not training. You just have to have some mechanisms to know when to push it. And to be perfectly honest, too, I also really like the Toby Keith song about this. You know, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good as once as I ever was. So there also have to be moments where if I have lightning in a bottle that day, you have to know when to be able to trust it to get after it. You know what I mean? So this is where writing things down, being smart and, you know, governing your workouts in a way where you've over time you know what your body's capable of and you can you can be man enough to push the go button but if you're always pushing the go button um you're you're also going to have to back off of it too right <laughs> you know what i mean so it's it's a fun conversation to have this is what i like to do you know what i mean this is this is a it's a this is this is a misconception with training all the time that more is always better and that's a big one you, you want to always be able to stay in the fight you always don't want to be fighting so much that 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 you get knocked out 
Yeah. So, so there it is. Well, thanks, man. You think that's I'm helpful? Try it out. Is that helpful for you guys? Hopefully, you're listening. Maybe there's a light bulb moment for you. I know we've had them for a couple who are, are starting to work with some, you know, things with Basecamp and other ideas that we've been DMing with folks about. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool conversations to have. It's fun stuff to chat about. It's um, it's important conversations, especially now as people are maybe looking for home workouts to um, to curb stress and to feel better or take advantage of the time. You know, just more isn't always better, but, um, you know, uh, know, there's, there's different ways to get more that could be better. Well, thanks dude. Yeah, man. No, it's fun. It's, it's good stuff guys. Hopefully that's you. I mean, we, we, we got a little bit of train hunt and live here, um, on that. And, um, even in the beginning, um, talking about how you're managing this, uh, uh, COVID-19 situation. Hopefully you guys, um, you know, Jeremy, maybe what we'll do is, um, do you write your workouts down? Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I do. It would be cool. You know, it would be cool if if you actually wrote those down and took a picture of them. And even like if you wrote your list down, like if you, if you wrote day one, day two, how many, how many like resistance training days did you think you're getting? Well, is it three or four? Yeah. Three Monday. So Monday, <laughs> We didn't get into this, but Monday I do kettlebell swings, step-ups on bench with weight, hip raises, mountain climbers, cleans, shovels, burpees with weight, bent-over oh. rows, and pull-throughs. Pull yeah. It's a sandbag workout day. So I do that on Monday. Wednesday I do legs, and then Friday I do upper body. So what I would say is why don't you – this might be a fun little exercise just to tie a bow on this conversation that will give people something tangible to look out. Write down what you do on those three days. And okay. write them in a column way. Give me three columns, one, two, three, and just make that uh-huh. list and write it down. And it'd be cool if you wrote it down and took a picture of it. I'm going to then write it down how I would divide that up into three to five days. Perfect. Um, and slightly change it to to promote working out actually more in the long run, not just doing more every day. Okay, I'll yeah. do that. I'll do what I do because um, yeah. I work out six days a week because the other three days I ride the cycle. And that might be uh, that might be our next week. You know, we got base camp up there, but maybe this is like uh, uh, this would be uh, the Jeremy Day uh, Joe Coach Joe remix, and we'll put that up there, and we'll see if you guys can actually get a sense for what I'm getting at and how how we can actually help Jeremy train more and and and, and track his progress better. I think that'd be a fun little exercise. Yeah, that sounds good, man. I'll do that um, on the latter part of today. I'll get that over to you tomorrow. And you're saying those days take you about ninety minutes? Uh, no, the yeah, the leg day and um, upper body day does. The first one takes about an hour. Yeah, it'd be my goal to get you to about forty-five minutes. I'd rather. Yeah, you, I'd I, th- ra- I would like to see that. I'd rather you train every day for thirty to forty-five minutes than I well, would. Yeah. Would have you killing yourself 90 minutes yeah. and then feeling like crap at the end of the weekend slugging through it again. You know what I mean? Because you're training suboptimally. You know what I mean? Let's 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 have you training harder 45 days optimally, not not substandard stuff. Sounds good. And hey, maybe there's listeners out there who might want the same thing. We can work that out for them too. So um I know we got a couple guys out there we're doing some of these things with. So um, it'd be cool to help you guys out. Yeah, it's a fun thing to do because you know. One day they are going to let us go outside again and they're going to let us hunt and they're going to let us do cool stuff and you want to be ready for it. You don't want to be um you don't want to be recovering to do it. So uh that that be the goal guys. Well sweet guys. Well Jeremy, that was fun man. I appreciate you letting me into your into your training house. Hopefully um hopefully we can put something together for you that that's helpful. 
Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it, dude. Cool. And you two out there, we'd like it. Um, but one thing we'd like from you is maybe you can interact with the show somehow. Uh, DM us on the Instagram at Backcountry and Barbells. You can also review the show, tap that furthest right star, or just tell your hunting partners that there's um, two regular fellers out there um, having chats that might be helpful to ease drop on we'd love your support any way you can provide it but until the next one guys i'm joe schmonick train hunt and live the best life possible jeremy day i appreciate you man thanks for uh thanks for uh letting me into your training house there brother yeah no worries man um and uh god bless america get it folks cool jeremy that was awesome dude